Welcome to the Great American Collectibles Show, heard Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on PSA.com and the PSA Facebook page. The Great American Collectibles Show is brought to you by PSA and the National Sports Collectors Convention. Tonight's headlines are brought to you by Sports Collectors Daily. For all of your hobby news, features, and more, visit sportscollectorsdaily.com. And now, your hosts, Tom Zappala and John Mallory. JM, my main man. How you doing, brother? What's up, brother? How are you? Good. Hello to everyone. You're listening to and viewing the Great American Collectible Show. I am Tom Zappala with my one of two co-hosts, JM, John Mallory, famous, very famous sports writer, sportscaster, TV personality up in the Boston area. Man about town, uh, bon vivant, raconteur. Everything, everything. Yeah. Uh, you're listening to us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, TuneIn Radio 590, WCAP up in the Boston area, Facebook Live, YouTube, subscribe, Spotify, Pandora, Alexa. We're all over the place, Jam. We are all over the place. We are. We're actually in Sanskrit. Um <laughs> And uh, the small corner of the nation of Chad, I believe we are also. I didn't in. realize so, that. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. a new one. We just got that hey, one this week. So, uh, we have a good show today. Uh, we're bringing in in a couple of seconds. Uh, Steve Brookman from Clean Sweep Auctions got a great auction that is ending tonight. So this is a perfect time to get your bids in. Right. Although we're taping, everybody knows we tape on Fridays. The show is airing tonight, Wednesday, and the auction ends in a few short hours. But before we br- and we get uh, uh, Scott Russell from the Collector Connection is going to join us for a couple of minutes towards the end of the show. But first, our headlines. This is kind of cool, JM. The best of the best among those who had graced a diamond during the first 45 years or so of professional baseball were given the game's highest honor on June 12, 1939, when they became the first members of the Baseball Hall of Fame. Among the gifts baseball's first classes of immortals were given was a Gruen Curvex wristwatch. It was a time piece given to only the greatest players of all time. Now, one of the Flying Dutchmen, Harness Wagner, is, being, is going on the auction block with Heritage Auction Winter Platinum Catalog Auction, where it is expected to get a six-figure price dude that's a that is something that's special a cool right piece yeah that's a cool piece yeah. it, it is honus wagner's wow uh, personal watch that was given to him on that induction day made by gruen a cincinnati-based watchmaker the timepiece is stamped 14 karat gold filled on the back and carries the all-important description presented to honus wagner member of the hall of fame baseball centennial 1839 to 1939. So I wonder, I wonder who had that, Zap. Actually, that's a great question. If you want to read the whole article, simply go to sportscollectorsdaily.com because I kind of edited the article a little bit, but it was given. It was it was given to a private a private collector had it. And then is giving it to uh, auction. So So that's great. You did you did you did did what you're supposed to do. You did a tease to make people go and get the rest of the story. Correct. You want to go to Sports Collectors Daily to read the rest of the story. That's pretty cool. It is. All right, listen, let's bring in uh, Steve, Steve Berkman from Clean Sweep Auctions. We love, you know, I like having Steve on, JM. 
because Steve is one of the guys that's not afraid to, you know, we'll talk about the auction and the great items in the auction. Yep. But, but he's not afraid to talk about the hobby. And sometimes we dip our toes into kind of like, uh, I don't want to say controversial uh, uh, subjects, but we're, we're not afraid to, to discuss some of the pros and cons of the hobby. And Steve's always been good enough to, to jump in with us. Welcome, Stephen. Hey, how's it going? Hi, good, Steve. Good. Steve, you've got, uh, you've got a great auction ending tonight. Give us, when does the auction end? Let's talk about that part of it first. Okay, so we got one of our best auctions we've ever had. You have to have your bids in by 8 o'clock Eastern time tonight. So if you're interested in the auction, as soon as the show's over, you want to pop right over to cleansweepauctions.com. And we have a lot of great material in the auction. We have the best balanced auction we've ever had. We have lots of old cards, lots of new cards, lots of autographs, lots of memorabilia. We have enough comic books. We got a 1940 Superman set with all the high numbers. PSA graded as single lots. I mean, this is the world of material and many things we've never had before. Jam? I mean, the names in this auction, uh, Steve, are pretty unbelievable. Can you just get into specifics on what view, what you view maybe as a couple of the highlight items in there? There are more than a couple of highlight items, but just give us a couple things to uh, wet people's it took appetite. Me an hour. It took it, me it, an hour just to go through some of dude, that. Dude, I was stuff. on the first page and it was, it, I was, you I know, know, 20 minutes on the first page. It. I yeah. couldn't believe it. Yeah. No, oh, thanks, guys. Well, the, the, the headline lots is a Hank Aaron rookie card, PSA 8. Now, you know, it's not too much to say about that card that people don't know. But, of course, a, a vital card, a key card, you know, one of the best cards you could have, especially in an 8 grade. So that, that's our, that's, you know, dollar-wise, the best lot in the auction. And we have a gorgeous 51 Bowman Mantle that's a PSA 3.5 centered, great image, great white borders. I mean, stunning card. So that those are two of the, you know, the dollar-wise, some of the most valuable cards we have. Um, we have like some, some cool new cards we've never had before. Like we have the, there's a really, really cool card they made of Tim Duncan when he's a rookie and David Robinson's in the back and they both signed it. And this, and this I saw that. Is, yeah. Yeah. It's traded publicly like three times in eight years. And you have um, a maze, a maze rookie Bowman too in there, don't you? Yeah. There's a real nice maze rookie. That's got a lot of action so far. It's a, it's a real nice looking three. That's the PSA three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then you know, another real highlight of the auction, we got a we got a full run of all the Ruth and Garricks from the 1933 Gaudi set. I couldn't believe that. <laughs> I mean, you have a slow right? Yeah, well, yeah. The full stuff. We got them all graded together. The numbers are probably consecutive, but people love that. So they go from twos to three and a half. Real nice cards. We got a real nice set that we were breaking up. You know, so it's we we got them graded. They're completely fresh to the hobby. We got a you know, there's a Mayo Ed Delahante. We have a E95 Philadelphia Carmels at all PSA grade. Very cool. So Very yeah, cool. And we got a, we also have a bunch of unopened stuff that we don't have that as much in our auctions, but we have the the 2000 Bowman box with Tom Brady, um, you know, sealed and a whole bunch of, you know, of desirable uh, wax boxes from the or factory boxes from the last 10 or 15 years. Steve, I noticed that in this auction, um, and Zap, you can comment on this as well. I mean, there's a really nice mix of vintage and modern in here and even some players in between, you know what I mean? I mean, it's really a great varied auction. Was that happenstance, just what you had, or was that part of the design of this particular auction? I guess a little bit of both, you know, when you run these auctions, you know, it's driven by consignments and what people have and what they sell at a particular time. So we we're working through a couple real big collections where these things take a year to sell and with, you know, massive amounts of stuff. And in our auction, we try to put it in the right auction, not just shove everything in one auction, right? just in and out. So we try to be more, targeted on marketing so we, we've been working through a you know wonderful collection of very well picked 
you know, PSA cards from Opeachy stars in the 60s and 70s to Mantles and Kofaxes. And like, these cards are really nice for the grades. And this person had over a thousand cards like that. So really? We, yeah, we I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what's interesting, Steve, is I don't know if you did it by design, but you know, there are a lot of people that 51 Bowman Mantle, using that as an example, I have one, I love my card. But a lot of people really, really love that card. And for some people, the PSA three, they may simply may not be able to afford it. But from a from a from a uh, 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 from your perspective, you also have a PSA one in there, don't you? Yeah, and it's a really nice one. In fact, it's funny the consigner of that stuff was in, this was another collection we have. He bought all ones and twos that are much nicer than their technical grade. So there's a 52 tops Jackie Robinson. There's a 52 tops Eddie Matthews. All cards like that, real key cards and ones and twos, where they might have a technical flaw, a tiny scrape on the back, or, or honestly, sometimes the, the grade is too tough. But they're like, no, go ahead, go ahead, finish. No, because I, I agree with you. I mean, they're real. This guy had a really good eye. He, he, you know, he collected these things, you know, these, you know, under quote unquote undergraded ones and twos of really big cards. So we have about 20 cards like that throughout, you know, and they're really nice looking cards. I'm sure they'll be very popular, but, you know, and some of those cards are, you know, white hot right now. But Steve, you know something, you're making a good point because, you know, if, if you have a good eye uh, and a lot of most collectors do, if, if you look at a card and it's graded a PSA one, for instance, but you know that that card really looks like a 1.5 or a two, you're going to get more money for that card, aren't you? Yeah, usually. Yeah. I mean, the, the, look, there's different customers. Some people just buy the grade. They don't care. If it says one, it's one. It says nine, it's nine. It doesn't matter. Then there's people, which is a lot of the hobby, where they sure. really care, especially on the low grades. They can get a big premium when they're when they're nicer. And then, and then the thing with the ones is, you know, everyone complains about the PSA grades, you know, without getting into trouble, especially lately. But I hate to say this, but I'll, I'll, I'll get these cards and I'll be like, oh my God, these grades are terrible. What'd they do to me? And then like, you start looking under magnification and everything, 80, 90% of the time they're right. I, yeah, I, right. I agree. And I, <laughs> I, right. I've told this story a million times when, when Ellen and I wrote the first book, the T206 collection, Joe Orlando flew out for the book launch and I had some of my cards displayed. And I mean, you know, I had a, a PSA Green Wagner. It was graded a four. When I set that card in, I said, that just card's going to come back a five, 5.5 at the time. Oh, no, five or a six. And I was like flabbergasted. It came back a four. So Joe was sitting next to me. And I said, Joe, you got to explain to me. And he pointed out the flaws with his bare eye. And I said, you know something? I have no argument for that. So you're right. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so the thing is, so, but, but everyone has their tolerance. So if you, you, you take a, a 51 Bowman man on a one, some people want the nice front and they don't care about back damage. Other people, it drives them crazy. If something's wrong with the back and if the front's a little messed up, they don't care because they can't handle back damage. Some people don't care about writing on the back, especially right. if it's not bad. Right. And other people, it drives them <clears throat> nuts. So it, you know, so it's a little unpredictable, but all things being equal, you know, those, those cards, there's a big demand for them. And uh, one thing I wish PSA would do, I don't know if they're following you, like this, this authentic altered thing, which to be honest with you, they're slapping these more than ever since COVID. I don't know totally why. They ought to give an explanation why, especially on expensive cards. And they would, they would, the market would reflect that. So was it altered because someone erased writing or is it altered because someone trimmed the cards? So, so you're saying right. you're making a recommendation that they give the reason. On, on, let's say on cards worth a thousand dollars or more, they're not going to do it on everything. And, you know, and obviously we are paying the money for it, but I'll, I'll pay, you know, I had a 51 Bowman Mantle. I bought a few months ago. I thought it was going to be a one. 
and it came back authentic altered. I don't know what the alteration was. You know, at five hundred dollars for the to get in a holder, be nice to know and what what it is. And aside from the customer service point of view, I think that would create its own market and they would trade. And 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 so one that if now they think it's trimmed, it would be worth less. If someone erased the pencil and whether it was you know malicious or not, a lot of people don't care about that, and the card would get a big premium. You know, depending on what the sure. Well, Dave Dave Steinberger from PSA uh, pretty much tunes in every week with us, and he answers questions when the when the show airs. Dave is kind of manning, like myself or, or JM, manning the comments on the Facebook page. So, Dave, uh, if you're if you're in California watching, there's a good question to find out, and maybe you, you can go. answer it right now. There you go. Yeah. Absolutely. Steve, you mentioned uh, the Duncan Robinson item. I want to stay with the NBA because you have a you know game use swatches, I believe, from Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant as part of this auction. I want you to talk a little bit about that item. It seemed really unique. And then as we acknowledge the second anniversary of, of Kobe Bryant's passing this past week, just talk about him, his legacy and, and where he is in the hobby. Well, you know, Kobe's Kobe, you know, he's, he's a giant. And then when he died, it just brought it to another level. So people wanted stuff. There's a lot of stuff around with him, especially his cards. There's so many of them. So the better ones get a premium. Other ones have come back down in price, but it's always a you know great demand for him. His autograph, of course, exploded. And he wasn't, at least on our side of the country, we hardly ever saw his autograph. So he was not a big signer. Right. So that's, that stuff is just great. Um, and then the card we have, it's a really cool card. It, it has a swatch from Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and LeBron James. And cool. There's so few cards like that. Wow. I mean, it's only a six, but, it, I don't, it, but it's a really cool card. So we're excited about that. And, you know, we have a bunch of the, you know, the good rookie cards and sets of all those guys. You know, we have two Wilt Chamberlain rookie cards that are nice, you know, in the auction. So there's a lot of really good basketball stuff. Wait, oh, yeah, you know, there's a whole bunch of, you know, unopened stuff too. There's an 86 Fleer, PSA 8-pack. You know, there's there's a bunch of good good quality material there. You know, Steve, I know that you're a you're a vintage purist originally from your heart, and I know that you're you're now picking up ahead of steam with unopened packs. That whole phenomena has really exploded, hasn't it? Yeah, it really it really is. It's amazing. And what 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 just blows my mind? I was at a show a few weeks ago, and someone had an '87 Topps box wrapped. A wax box they wanted like a hundred dollars for it or something. I used to, I literally, I mean, I'm not exaggerating. Give them away. I couldn't know. I couldn't even give them away. I get these things in collections, like, listen, you want to take it? No. Any product? No. Because we've got a whole collection. You'd have boxes of this stuff from the 80s. And even like 84 top sets and things like that. These things are flying out of my office. Yeah. I can't Crazy. Apps. I, there's no rhyme or reason to it. I agree. I, I, it's just, I shake my head too. I have boxes of that stuff up in an attic in my house that just sitting there. Just sitting there. <laughs> yeah, the unopened stuff, my, like I, I've been doing shows forever, and I remember being in being when Jose Canseco's rookie card, the '86 Donruss, ungraded, let's say in 1989 or something, was like a $150 card. And I remember I was set up next to someone at the show at a show, you know, way it's like '89, and I had he had a I had a, he had an '86 Donruss wax box, and at the time they were impossible to find, and I had his beautiful '55 Topps K line, and we traded. So oh, I hope to get this. So I opened up the box. Of course, I didn't get the Conseco. <laughs> I never loved that open stuff after getting burned like that. I'm like maybe he took it out, maybe he didn't. There's no guarantee. You know, it's a wax box. It doesn't have ever That is that, funny. That soured me on unopened stuff for years. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. We had we had chatting with Steve Berkman, Steve Berkman from Clean Sweep Auctions. Steve, one there was one thing that really piqued my interest. That 1968 signed. Tops poster. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
Oh, that's a really cool lot. Now, the 68 Tops posters, I don't know if, you know, as many people are familiar with them. They're not rare, but they're uncommon. They're big. You know, they're like yeah. 30 inches high. They're really cool. So we have a set with about, you know, 10 or 15 of them signed, including Mano and Maze. And they look so awesome with the big size and the big autographs because they got these huge signatures. And that's been a very popular lot. You know, that's, that's one of the, you know, that's one of my favorite lots in the auction. Those are great. You, you see them from time to time. Very not, cool. Not more than one or two. And there's like, I think there's 10 or 15 signed ones in there. It's a great lot. Yeah, we mentioned, guys, that uh, Steve has the, the big names. The Roots are in there. The Gehrigs are in there. Ty Cobb is also part of this auction. You have the, the Turkey Red uh, Ty Cobb. And you also have a letter from Ty Cobb in this auction, which I found very interesting, Steve. Yeah, there's, about, yeah, there's, a, there's a really interesting Ty Cobb letter you know, that, that's a three-page letter where the content gets a little personal. And, he, he, and, he's, and he's really nice in this letter. He writes about this guy's dog. and how he, it was, he was so nice, I didn't think it was Ty Cobb. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, you know, a funny guy. Like, obviously, he had his bad sides, and you know, he, I don't know if people know this. It's a, it's a terrible thing. But you know, he saw his, uh, his, mo his mother kill his father. And walking in as a thing, he, he stood there and watched that. So you can imagine how it affected him. But you know, Ty Cobb actually raised the money to pay for a children's hospital in Georgia. He wasn't an all bad guy. It's right. a little complicated, but he definitely had his. Uh, you, you know, obviously, we've done a lot of research on him, and yeah. you're dead on. You're right. dead on. You know, I, a lot of people say he was a racist, which. That's opinion of some people, but then there's a lot he did behind the scenes for indigent ball players, and uh, he was a big proponent of uh, allowing blacks into into the majors. So you know, there, there's some sketchy gray areas uh, uh, on on Cobb. Oh, I didn't know that. That's very interesting. Yeah, so he's he's an interesting person. So that we have that, and then now for the Turkey Reds. Now those are like you know also great kind. That's a piece of art. I mean, that's that's a piece of art. Well, so we actually have like 50 different PSA ones in the auction. We have like yeah. a third, fourth as individual lots. And those are just some of the, the best cards. They, they've gone up in the last few years, but they seem still seem like utter bargains compared to what things trade for. With, you know, T206 commons and threes getting $100. Crazy, crazy money. The T3 should be 10 times that. Right. I agree. Right. Totally agree. They're, they're, they're 100 times, probably 500 times scarcer. And they're more attractive and, you know, they're just, it's great. And that's one case where a lot of the time with oversized cards, you know, the holders, they get really heavy. I don't know if people who collect these things, they start, they'll try like to do an oversized set and they end up weighing, end up weighing ends up weighing 50 pounds in the holders. Well, I think that's part of it because I've talked to, I have talked to collectors about that. A, a lot of people just store their collections as I'm sure anybody with cards stores them in, 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 you know, nice, you know, cases and things like that. That that car is a little. It's a little difficult to store, and I think that's part of it. But I agree with you. That is an absolutely magnificent kind. It's literally a piece of art. That's the way I look at it. Well, the thing is, but with the T3s, the PSA holder is actually so perfect because it goes just around the border, so it's more form fitting. Like some of the R cards in the 30s, the holder is so big, and it's like you sure, know, it's swimming in there almost, literally and figuratively. But the T3s, they nailed it. So it, it, they look great. They look nice in the holder. And it is, you know, you got a hundred of them. It's heavy, but, you, but they still display well. But that's Absolutely. Uh, that's one of the high points of the auction. It's a huge run. At no doubt. Red. No doubt. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We are chatting with Steve Berkman from Clean Sweep Auctions. The auction ends tonight. As soon as the show ends, get your bid in. You're listening and viewing the Great American Collectible Show from the Studio 21 Cafe. Uh, but I'm in Florida, and John is up there freezing, so <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Since 1996, Brian Drent and the staff at Denver's Mile High Card Company have led the charge in the collectibles hobby. 
Mile High is a full-service dealer specializing in buying and selling cards and offers a competitive consignment program for all collectors. Whether it be their computerized want list service, appraisals, or auction services, Mile High has it all. If you've been searching for a company with a selection of high-grade vintage 1888 to 1970 baseball cards and memorabilia that shares your passion, aim high, Mile High. Go to milehighcardco.com or call 303-840-2784 for more information. Hi, this is Dan from Memory Lane Auction and Collectibles Company. If you're looking to maximize your return on your sports cards and collectibles, look no further. We at Memory Lane Auction House offer you several options to achieve top dollar for your collectibles. Whether you're looking to auction or sell privately, we're the number one choice with over 17 years in the hobby. Nobody will work harder to achieve your goals. Just call us today at 877-606-5263. That's 877-606-LANE. Or visit us on the web at www.memorylaneinc.com. Go with the best. Go with Memory Lane. For more than 30 years, Robert Edward Auctions has been the industry leader when it comes to helping you realize the most money for your baseball cards and sports memorabilia. In addition to their unparalleled reputation for honesty and integrity, they reach the largest number of bidders in the business and offer lower seller's fees, as well as generous cash advances up front on your valuable material. Contact them today at 908-226-9900. That's 908-226-9900 or at robertedwardauction.com. This is Brian Drent, president of Mile High Card Company. Is your sports card and memorabilia collection properly insured? For easily replaced personal property, homeowner's insurance is all most people need. But for prized possessions that you may have spent a lifetime collecting, it doesn't go nearly far enough. Collectibles Insurance Services has been insuring for over 50 years. They offer a full range of protection and a $0 deductible at an affordable rate with no appraisals required. I know because they insure my collection. If you have a minute, go to collectinsure.com and learn more about insuring your personal card or memorabilia collection. How would you like to own the bat that was used by your favorite player when he hit that towering home run or game-winning base hit? Now look no further than JT Sports, specializing in the sale and authentication of professional game-used bats. As the official authenticators of professional model game used bats for PSA DNA, JT Sports will guarantee the authenticity of any bat purchased from them. JT Sports also buys and sells game-worn uniforms, gloves, and baseball equipment. The unique quality of the collectible is what JT Sports is all about. Give them a call at 609-487-8003 or check them out at GameUseBats.com. We are back. And JM, how about uh, telling our viewers and listeners about our good friend, James Fiorentino? My pleasure, Zap. If you want to own a piece of sports history at an affordable price, take a look at the magnificent highest resolution prints of famed artist James Fiorentino. Check out the link on the screen, and you'll be amazed at renderings of some of the greats, Clemente, Ruth, Brady, Jordan, and some of the greatest athletes to ever grace the sports landscape. The very affordable limited editions capture every shade of the original work, and yes, they are individually signed by James himself. Prices for these art gems range between $200 and $400 and will look spectacular in your office or collectibles room. 
Typically, a James original sells for five figures, but you can purchase one of his affordable reproductions now and cherish it forever. Go to jamesfiorentino.com slash store and purchase your personal work of art. In our opinion, James Fiorentino is the greatest sports artist on the planet. You know, JM, when and we, we were saw in it Philly, personally in Philly, uh, Zap, man, right? His work is incredible. I mean, uh, good Steve, Lord. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, Fiorentino's work. Yeah. Actually, he does a lot of the covers uh, of uh, PSA magazine. He's just, he's just a fabulous artist. Yeah. He really is. The detail, really. I mean, he captures the detail on the face of the athlete, like, you know, Very good. The, whether it's a Mantle at bat or a Brady or someone like that. Really amazing. Uh, was chatting with Steve Brookman from Clean Sweep Auctions. Steve, tell us about, you've got a lot of signed baseballs. Yeah, we have, we have some neat signed baseballs. We have, um, there, there's, a, there's a Joe Page, which is a very rare single signed ball. We have, a, there's a Casey Stengel. We have a Gil Hodges. So there's a whole bunch of different Hall of Famers. We got, you know, team balls going back to the 1930s. There's a very affordable, albeit very low-grade Roberto Clemente single signed ball. There's a bunch of cool signed bats, too. We have a, one of the really cool ones is that like an 80, seven or 88 Yankee bat, which isn't anything extraordinary, except it's got a huge Mickey Mantle autograph and a huge Billy Martin autograph. Then really? Yes, we, yeah, so we have some really cool signed bats and we have these Hall of Fame induction bats from the 90s and you just don't see those. And, you know, they stopped doing those in, in any in any level. And these went to the players and there's like 40 or 50 autographs on these things. And anyone who's collecting autographs nowadays knows that you go to a show, 75 to 125 dollars an autograph for anyone even decent so these things are fortune what they what they cost to replicate you know the modern hall of famers everything is so expensive and then in terms of baseballs i'd be remiss we have a really really rare baseball even ed wall single signed ball wow wow all era pitcher all-time great pitcher he died in 1959 and there may only be 10 or 15 of these known and it has a nice signature so that's one of the you know, key autograph lots. There's a Satchel Page signed baseball too. You know, the, anything Satchel Page has been wonderful lately. And then one other really cool autograph item we have is a Gil Hodges signed rookie card. You know, we got really lucky with this. We happened to have gotten it right before he went in the Hall of Fame. And uh, th- th- that's really nice too. It's the Brooklyn Dodger team issue card and it's vintage signed. So there, there's a lot of cool autographs. My favorite autograph item, there's something actually signed by, by George Wright, a, a composite photo from the 1920s, which wow. is something you just never see. Steve, a couple things on what you just said, playing off your, your answer there. Um, what's the popularity slash value split between individually signed, let's take baseballs, and team signed baseballs, or bats for that matter? You know, back in the day when I first started, it was, oh, you want to get the individual signed ball, not a team signed ball. What's that like now in terms of what you've seen in terms of investors and buyers? Well, it hasn't changed. I mean, it is, it is kind of crazy. Like you tell lay people like, oh, it'd be better if, if only Mickey Mantle signed the ball, not Yogi Berra and, and, and Bill Scowen or something. So the, the people who want single sign balls, they're laser focused. They want the single sign ball and they want to get every Hall of Famer they can on a single sign ball. And a lot of the time they don't even collect team balls. And then there's people that only collect team balls. You know, team balls are their own like subcategory, like everything else. If you get a vintage team ball from like the 60s and back in really nice condition where the ball's real white and clean, they could sell for big money. Even a lesser team can get $500 or $1,000 a ball if the quality is really there. But then they really are hard to find like that. They're truly scarce. Yeah, and I, and I think it, that's probably where it comes down to maybe the emotional part of it, too. If you, know, if you were a big fan of the 75 Red Sox or the 1960 Pirates, you know, one of those standout teams like that, um, it's worth more to you, right? I mean, it, that's what it comes down to. It's worth as much as it means to you. 
Well, yeah, but I mean, the question is just getting back to your question. So you take the 75 Red Sox. So if you get 25 or 30 different single sign balls, you know, they're worth a lot more than a team ball, but then yeah. you have 30 balls. Like, and then there's no one that, I mean, there's a few tougher. I guess Darren Johnson, unless he's on the 76 Red Sox, I don't remember. <laughs> that, that's the toughest one. Otherwise, there's nothing that scarce in there. Um, other teams will have, and it'll drive people crazy. Like in the 69 Mets, a lot of people collect them, of course. So this guy named Danny Frisella died in a motorcycle. Danny Frisella, sure, yeah. So that's like a thousand dollar baseball. You wow. know, Cal Kuntz died in nineteen ninety three, and that can be a five hundred to a thousand dollar baseball. Yeah, He's Calvin Kuntz didn't he play for the Sox for a while? JM, I, I, that's way before my time. But that's right in that's think, right in your wheelhouse, age wise. Yeah, so. I think I think he was up for a cup of coffee with the uh, Calvin Kuntz with the uh, with the Red Sox for a while. Hey, he was, I th- yeah, I think he was. Hey, Steve. Let's switch gears a little bit. You've got some really cool historic uh, pieces of memorabilia, especially autographs. Can you talk about some of those? Yeah, I, I love the presidential stuff. You know, that stuff is so much fun. So we have, you know, we have autographs of, you know, of eight or 10 different presidents going going back to, you know, the 19th century. Let me just pull up what we have here. So we have... Um, so we have an, we've we have a, we have a Henry Clay autograph. We have Calvin Coolidge. It's not the most exciting stuff. But What's worth more, the Calvin Coolidge or the Calvin Coons? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I hate to say this, it's probably the Calvin Coons. There's <laughs> a grant document. Let's get our Calvins in order here. What are we doing? <laughs> I got a Cal- I'll give you a Calvin Chiraldi for both of us. <laughs> It is kind of crazy how that's how that stuff works. And, you know, we have some we have a real nice Jane Mansfield signed eight by ten. Like we like the old Hollywood autographs, too. You know, that stuff's a lot of fun for us. So that's a business we're, we're always looking at. And I think that stuff's undervalued. Well, you're, you're one of the few, I think, that 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 does that consistently. And you always have some really cool stuff. I meant to ask you this a while back. You had an autograph of uh, Mother Teresa. Did that thing sell? I mean, did you ever? Yeah, we've had that a couple of times. And one time I got a thousand dollars. Did you really? Was it was it her rookie card? Was it the first year out of the convent, or was it? Because that makes a difference. But something like that, you know, (laughs) from a collector's standpoint, JM, think about it. Very very cool collectible. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? I think so. I've been keeping like last year I got a Charles Darwin autograph and I just kept it. I was like, I can't sell this. This is just too awesome. This exists. Wow. I mean, some of this stuff is just I think that stuff is great. And we I've seen over the years I've been doing this for a while. The sports a lot of my sports customers will buy that stuff to complement a collection. You know, they'll love the idea of getting a Washington or a Lincoln autograph or or you know or Grant or like you know Teddy Roosevelt. They love having stuff like that in their collection and, and the great entertainers too. I want to ask a question both of you guys can chime in on um, because we're seeing it now with the Hall of Fame votes. Um, Gil Hodges got in the Hall of Fame. David Ortiz just got in the Hall of Fame. A couple other guys got in with the committee before Jim Cott got in. Um, whether it's with these guys or generally speaking, is there a, a, a palpable spike? In value, always oh wait till he gets in the like I'm sitting on my my Clemens and Bonds cards from the '80s, right? Waiting Sit for them, on them to, for a while. I was gonna, I'm going to be sitting on those forever. But is there a palpable spike in the industry when that happens? Are David Ortiz cards going to see a visual, a visible spike now in popularity or value? Well, there is if it's unexpected. I don't think there'll be any difference in David Ortiz because everything is priced in with him. And he's a very popular player yeah. around the country. He's got a big national following. You know, he's, he's very desirable always. But like when when Jim Cott and Minnie Minoso got in the Hall of Fame, yeah. 
stuff went absolutely crazy on eBay and our online store. And, and it's, it's kind of frustrating sometimes whenever, whenever fast enough and people pick things off like, like, like rabbits. Yeah. It goes like wildfire and, and these things can increase in value by five and 10 times. You know, so that's my answer. So the answer is yes, then it, oh, yeah, it really, it well, does make a difference. Yeah. You know, if, yeah. It's not, if, it, you know, if it's expected that someone gets an all of fame, sure. it's not a big deal. But when these guys get in, these things can go absolutely crazy. Years ago, I got lucky. I was always waiting on Joe Gordon to get in the hall of fame and I had a really nice single sign ball and I went from 500 to 5,000 after he got in the hall of fame. Wow. You know, I, kept it. I always liked him and, uh, you know, so it, it can make a huge difference. But yeah. You don't, you know, you just don't know until they vote on it. My, I don't, I, I'm a, very conservative with the hall of fame thing i mean i'm gonna get in trouble here but i think they're diluting their brand i think there's guys getting in the hall of fame that they're fine players i like them they're not hall of famers i, I don't agree. know what I mean anymore they're that they're there's so many people are getting in yeah and you get the feeling all the guys you mentioned i'm not going to get into what's right or wrong it, the bottom line is when their friends are on the committee letting them in you're going to get another 20 or 30 good players that really shouldn't be hall of famers. Yeah, and, you are. It, it, it's supposed to really mean something and it, it, it's becoming meaningless. And as a, you know, as a fan and, you know, and that's not just a business for me, it, you know, it bothers me. Like, you know, the, you'll hear, you know, I don't want to, you know, belittle certain, you know, players and single them out, but there's many, many players in the last eight or nine years that uh, they just should not be hall of famers. Anymore. You know, something, Steve, you're making a good point. The question is, do you blame the players or do you blame the, the writers or the people that are voting? Because, Listen, uh, JM, you may or may not disagree with me on this one, but, you know, Dan Shaughnessy, what he did, I think, was a crime, JM. He voted for this is a, a, a renowned Boston sports writer yeah. that voted for Craig Biggio and no one else. Jeff Kent. Jeff Kent. I mean, Jeff Kent. I'm Jeff sorry. Jeff Kent, yeah. Jeff Kent and nobody else. I mean, what is the rationale well, behind Well, listen, that? I, I, again, this could, be a, this could be an hour show on this. I wrote 20 years ago that the writer shouldn't vote. And I say that as a writer, by the way. I'm sorry, but you hold grudges against people, okay? And you have this weird vote. The other thing is, you know, how come a guy, you voted for one guy last year, now you don't vote for him this year? Did his stats change when he's been out of the league for five You know what I mean? It's... it's it's becoming a mess with the writers. I mean, Kurt, listen to me. Kurt Schilling could have won 400 games, and Dan Shaughnessy still would not have. Yeah, won. and that's where that's the problem. I'm not. I'm, and I'm not going to, you know, rain on Dan's parade. He's got a right. He earned the vote. He's got a right to do what he wants. And if it's if it's, I'm going to vote all or nothing on the steroid guys. More power to him, you know. But you've done something now. You let Ortiz in, and he did have a positive test. So now, what do you do? Now the whole thing is all or none, or what? So. I've been against the writers voting. To me, Hall of Famers should vote for Hall of Famers. That's it. The players should vote for the Hall of Fame and not the media. Sports media has changed too much over the last 30 years. It used to be, not that they built the players up, but they were reporting. Now it's how can I get the dirt on someone and make a name for myself and end up on MLB Network. I agree. Steve, what is your take on that? The only thing is, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to disagree with anything you said, but every solution has its issues. When the problem with the players voting, like the 1921 and 22 Giants, all those guys were on the Hall of Fame committee, and they have like 10 Hall of Famers, yeah, the 27 Yankees. Yeah, so right. With their friends. And also, I don't know if you know this, I was involved in a book a few years ago in the Hall of Fame. Guys are hiring lobbyists to get in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's like, the, it's like the Oscars. Yeah, they're right. They're doing publicity. Right. You're right. Yeah. No, no, it's more than that. Apparently, you get a low six-figure income a year once you become a Hall of Famer. So these guys, you know, they're going to let their friends in over the course of a year. It could be millions of dollars in a lifetime. Yeah. They're going to get his revenue. And all that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But they're just diluting. There should be some kind of 
objective standard below which you can't be a hall of famer because you know the writers are flawed they're people and the players of course they're going to let their friends in and their buddies and they're going to hold grudges just like the writers do they're people so i don't know what yeah, you're making a good point yeah i don't, the know, thing, what, I don't know what the answer is but like what, what whatever's work whatever's going on now isn't working because this brand is, isn't going to mean anything. and the other thing you can't do is because we used to say have have a statistical baselines but you really can't do that anymore because the game has changed. I mean, you can't have 300 wins anymore. There may never be a pitcher that wins 300 games again because of the quick hook and, and relief pitching being the way it is now, right? I mean, it's good so you, you can't do that All either. And, and you certainly can't do the home run thing. I mean, when I think of steroids and whether you like it or not, I think of the guys. I was thinking to myself today before we did the show, what if Jim Rice did steroids? How many homers would he have had? What if Ken Griffey Jr. did steroids? How quickly could he have come back from all those injuries, right? That's the kind of stuff that bothers me with the steroids. To me, if there was no rule at the time and you did it, if there's no rule, you didn't break it. But it's a, it's a slippery slope, man. It is. And again, it again, really we, we could do an hour on this, you know? Steve, so. I want to I dip my toe into another. Uh, we've talked about it before. I, I'd like to get your take on what, I, what is called manufactured scarcity. On these cards, these these modern and ultra modern cards, you know that it's one of one that's being manufactured. Isn't that kind of does that hurt the vintage market or does it help the vintage market? I mean, honestly, I don't think it has anything to do with it. Personally, I don't like this stuff. I, I think it's absurd. But there's so much money in it. So many people are chasing it. So many people are collecting it. And you can, you know, on the flip side of it, like, you know, my, my, my son's 13. And yep. so we'll get a Jacob deGrom card. And he sees, oh, one of 30 or one of 20. And they get so excited about it as opposed to something being mass produced. So they want to feel, as a collector of, of contemporary players, well, you know, I don't want to have something everyone else has. And I want something cooler than that. Right. So my thing says one of 10. Ooh, wow. My thing says two out of 10. And it, it, it's its own subculture. And, it, and it's, it's a huge amount of money going on in this stuff. And, you, you know, you almost can't get your head around it. But there's people that grew up with this and they want numbered things. They want to understand it. But as a purist, as a collector, because I'm yeah. not just yeah, I, I can't, I can't wrap my arms around it. I just can't. And uh, you know, a lot of a lot of the guys, people watching this show, are involved with it. A lot of them, I get a lot of kind of uh, emails, like you know, that hate that they disagree with me, which is fine. But I, I just, I think they're creating something out of nothing. That's that's just the way I look at it. Oh, that and that's exactly right. That's exactly what they're doing. But people are okay with that, you know. And they've been doing it for. I don't know, I guess around 20 years and these things, these things trade like crazy and people go crazy over this one on one thing and one of five and one of whatever. And they're, you know, totally arbitrary. There's a deal where you can't really price it because, you know, if you, cause we, we don't just auction things, we sell them too. And, you know, what's this one on What's this one on worth? And the value range can be dramatic based on who's looking for the thing at a time. So we, yeah, I think it's silly, but, but it has its own. There's a lot of people that collect it and you can understand their point too, I guess. Absolutely. We've got about three minutes left, Steve. Uh, again, what time does the auction end? How long, can, you know, when can people get their, their, their final bids in? Tell us about that. Okay, so with our auction is different than maybe some other auctions. If you want to bid in the auction, you have to have your bid in by 8 o'clock Eastern time tonight. We end the entire auction at the same time. So at 11 o'clock Eastern time tonight, we go to the 10-minute rule. So the entire auction ends at the same time. If anyone bids on any lot, the whole auction extends. So you have to keep that in mind with our auction and it'll, it'll go for a few hours after 11 o'clock. So you want to be sure to read the auction rules to understand it, but there, you know, it's otherwise it's very straightforward. Now in our auction, 
sadly, unlike many other auctions, you will not be bidding against the consigner. You will not have a hidden reserve. The item is going to sell for what it sells for. It's a pure auction. So the prices are, you know, there'll be deals, there'll be things that get absolutely stupid prices. There's going to be good deals. There'll be some bargains. You know, over there's over there's a thousand lots. There's going to be a big variety of prices in an auction with that much stuff in it. Again, the thing for the budget-minded collector, there is literally something here for everyone. No question. Yeah. Everyone. There, there is no doubt. I mean, uh, again, Steve. You know, uh, I've been following you and uh, Clean Sweeps for years. This has to be one of your biggest auctions ever. Oh yeah, definitely. They're, you know, they you know, business has been incredible lately. I mean, every year, every year, the sales numbers blow past the prior year. So this is, you know, this is one of the, you know, this could be the, you know, like second best highest grossing auction we've ever had. Good for you, Steve Berkman. Thanks for coming. We love having you on because you're not afraid to uh, talk about some of the other subjects, and we really appreciate it. All right, thanks, guys. My pleasure. Thanks, Steve. All right, take care, Steve Berkman from Clean Sweep Auctions. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. I think Scott's going to, Scott Russell's going to join us for a few minutes and uh, we'll be right back. It's a family owned and operated online auction specializing in autograph memorabilia, sports cards, coins, art, and collectibles. Since their founding in 2010, they've grown to two facilities in Phoenix, Arizona, totaling over 60,000 square feet. Jared Cavalli and an incredible staff of over 150 team members serve a very large customer base and enjoy every minute of it. By working with leading authentication companies, Pristine ensures all items are 100% authentic. In addition, third-party authenticators regularly travel to Pristine Auction to provide authentication services on-site. Pristine Auction strives to operate its business in a way that's honoring to God, their families, and their customers. With a strong focus on speed, quality, and premier customer service, their mission is to be the leading online auction for every level of collector and fan. Pristine also works for Hope Sports and Identity Hoops International, traveling to Mexico to build houses for the less fortunate. Pristine Auction offers several online auction formats with thousands of auctions ending each day. For more information, go to pristineauction.com. That's Pristine Auction, the best in the business. If you're a discerning collector interested in owning the most important pieces in the hobby, look no further than Leland's Auctions. The original sports auction and appraisal house, Leland's was established in 1985 by legendary pioneer founder Joshua Leland Evans. And today, President Mike Hefner carries on the tradition. From the Tom Brady card and memorabilia collection, to the famed Boston Garden auction, to high-end card auctions from every major sport. Leland's has always maintained the highest standards. Go to Leland's.com and get your bid in. That's Leland's, the hobby's leading sports auction house for four decades. It's often been said that championships are won on the practice field, and world records come only to those willing to work harder than everybody else. Heritage Auctions is the world's largest collectibles auctioneer, because we believe that becoming the best is only an invitation to the challenge of remaining the best. This requires the skills of the hobby's top experts, capable of identifying and maximizing value for our consigners. It requires the most visited website in the industry, courting a global audience of collectors over a million and a half strong. It requires a dedicated press department that expands our global reach far beyond the entrenched hobby marketplace. It's hard work, but a simple premise. Present the finest collectibles to the largest population of potential buyers, and world records will come. 
We invite all listeners to put the unmatched power of Heritage Auctions to work for you. Auction evaluations are always free, and our commission-based fee structure ensures that our interests are always aligned. The highest possible price for your collectibles. There will always be new world records to chase, so let's chase them together. Visit our website at ha.com and request your no-obligation review today. Hi, this is Dan from Memory Lane Auction and Collectibles Company. If you're looking to maximize your return on your sports cards and collectibles, look no further. We at Memory Lane Auction House offer you several options to achieve top dollar for your collectibles. Whether you're looking to auction or sell privately, we're the number one choice with over 17 years in the hobby. Nobody will work harder to achieve your goals. Just call us today at 877-606-5263. That's 877-606-LANE. Or visit us on the web at www.memorylaneinc.com. Go with the best. Go with Memory Lane. Sarah found out camping. What was that? Wasn't her thing. So she eBay board her tent to Tom who just had to get out of his house. But Tom needed road trip money, so he eBayed the Crock-Pot he never used to Steve, who wanted to turn the heat up on date night. But Steve needed counter space, so he sold his decanter it was a vase. to Sarah, who'd found a new outdoor hobby. Red. eBay, sell something and make room for something new. And, in fact, eBay is the place to go for all of your memorabilia, sports or non-sports cards, autographs, and much more, whether it's a gift for that special someone or you just want to add to your collection. eBay's huge marketplace should be your first stop. And if you sell, now's the time to flip those cards and get some extra cash. I shop on eBay all the time. That's eBay, connecting buyers and sellers globally. Okay, before we uh, chat with Scott, a little business here. Our giveaway from the ugly Joe Marino cheap bag. <laughs> I this said is I was a cool giveaway. Listen something else. One, JM. <laughs> How about this? Harry Hooper, An American oh, Baseball Life. There you go. By Paul Zing. This is a great book. Yeah, good book. Harry Hooper, Red Sox player. This is our giveaway today. Interesting guy. Going, interesting character. Very, very interesting. I am going to pick out of the bag right now. This week's winner is Brian Daniels, not related to Jeff Daniels, Daniel Boone, or anybody else. Brian Daniels, congratulations. Here's what you got to do. Stormy Daniels. You got to PM me. Uh, You have to text me, do what you have, email me. It's all out there. If I don't hear from you in a week, you're out. Um, all right, one other thing before we bring in uh, Scotty. Yep. Uh, East Coast Sports Marketing and Hunt Auctions are pleased to present the Philadelphia Sports Collector Show, the Philly Show, from Friday, March 4th to Sunday, March 6th at the Valley Forge Casino Resort in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. Shop over 200 of your favorite hobby dealer boots and over 55,000 square feet of sports collectibles heaven from the 1800s to present day. Major sports auction houses and third-party grading and authentication companies are on hand to assist your collecting needs. The Philly Show is family-friendly, friendly JM. All kids 12 and under get in for free. So, John, you get in for nothing. Autograph guests <laughs> if they go by height, basketball. yeah. <laughs> Autograph guests to include basketball legends Julius, Dr. J. Irving, Philadelphia baseball legend Mike Schmidt, P. 
Pete Rose and Steve Calton, Baseball Hall of Famer, the Wizard of Oz, Ozzy Smith, and Philly Eagles all-time leading rusher, LaShawn McCoy, as well as Super Bowl 52 fan favorite, Brandon Graham, and many more. For more information, go to thephillyshow.com. Remember, since 1975, the Philly Show is where it all started. And speaking of the Philly Show, this gentleman is there all the time. <laughs> even even when the there's television. no show, he's just hanging That's out right. at the he, casino. He hangs out at the casino. <laughs> well, there's, there's a casino. Right. right. Hey, I won 100. Hey, Zap, I won 172 bucks back in September when we were there. You never told me that. I did. I won, I'm, I'm up 172. So wait a second. I, I paid for dinner that night. Yes, yes, you did. So, so technically, I'm up more than 172. (laughs) (laughs) Scott Russell from the Collector Connection. Scott, uh, we asked you to come on. You've got an auction coming up, man. Let's run with it. Tell us what you have. Uh, It's it's a a lot of new territory for us. We have some game used stuff for the first time. We have a pair of Goose Gossage's cleats from his one year with the Pirates. Uh, we've got a Ken Griffey Senior game used bat, all authenticated by uh, our friend John from JT Sports and PSA. Great guy. Um, a lot of pirate stuff. The Griffey bat was actually an exception, but likely because Griffey has Pittsburgh ties where he lived. Um, so that's kind of neat. Then there's a lot of oddball sets, a lot of unusual things you don't see. Uh, 1971 House of Jazz baseball set. Wow. It was a baseball set in a records company, a record store in I think it was Lansdale. It's uh, near Philly in Pennsylvania. A little tiny fly spec, you know, like five guys know about it kind of set, super rare. Um, but the big deal in this auction is the autographs. Yeah, we Scott, have, you have a ton of team signed balls in there. Uh, yeah, I couldn't ton believe of them. that yeah. either. Yeah, uh, team signed balls, uh, the biggie being the 61 Yankees that's double certed by uh, CAS and PSA. Yeah. Um, but we also a 70 Pirates ball right. with an inscription on it that says it's from opening day of Three Rivers. Um, oh, and cool. It was consigned yeah. by the original collector. Yeah. Um, so that's, of course, Clemente. Scott, did a lot well, of did all these balls, these signed balls, come from the same consigner? Or it's all different sources. It's it's odd how things run with us. It seems like we get not, you know, we don't see anything for a long time. Did we uh, lose Scott? Probably video. Yeah, Zap. I tell you, there's a lot of, there's a lot of. See, this stuff that's in my wheelhouse in this in this auction, Zap. A lot of guys: uh, Tony Gwynn, Ricky Henderson, Tom Glavin, Dwight Gooden. Like that era, that kind of. And all of a sudden, it all hits us at once. He's back. Good. Yeah, we'll, we'll edit. Go ahead, Scott. I'm sorry. I'm at a hotel, guys, and the connection's not as good as it is with the office. <laughs> That's okay. We got it's you. We hear the, you. We hear you it's now. Called the, it's called the wonder of editing. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, Zab, he's having a little bit of a technical difficulty here, but people should really check out this auction, Collect a Connection. You talk about something for everyone. You've got the big names. There's Barra's in there, Musial, but there's a, there's a lot to go around here. Oh, absolutely. You know, we'll never, I I promise you guys, every time I talk to you, we'll never get away from having those lots that collectors need to complete their sets. Please remember to go to the collectorconnection.com for their current auction, which ends on February 6th. I know in the auction, you have a lot, you have some World Series programs. Um, I've seen a rise in things like this uh, with collectibles. Are you seeing the same thing? And talk about what you have. Head to the collectorconnection.com for their current auction, which ends February 6th. Okay. 
Jam, it looks like we lost Scotty Boy. You yeah. know, he's in one of those flea bag hotels. <laughs> problem. You know, he's in one of those like eighty-nine dollar a night hotels. Hey, man, that's listen, okay. listen. Uh, that's I'm I'm insulted. A flea bag hotel. I'm in on those all the time. That's okay. I, but anyways, <laughs> why don't you finish up about the, no? Uh, the we were auction. talking about all the different things in this auction, and obviously the CollectorConnection.com is where you want to go. I believe the auction ends on February the sixth. But we talked a little about some of the team signed ball zap, and he's got some excellent. Jackie Robinson items uh, in this auction. You and I both know, just in doing this show the last, I think the last year, Jackie Robinson items, I think, are going up, up, up. They're just starting to, him and Hank Aaron, Clemente, I think people are starting to jump on board uh, with those. Hall of Famers, of course, and they're getting up there, maybe not to the Ruth and Gehrig level, but they're getting up there. He's got some World Series programs, which we tried to talk about before the technical difficulties, but it's like it's a great mix, like we talked about before. He's got some Joe DiMaggio stuff, Hank Aaron, Mays, uh, two guys that I think are kind of overlooked in the hobby a little bit. He's got 48 Bowman cards of Yogi Berra and Stan Musial. So, I mean, it's just an excellent auction. Very cool. What I like is, you know, there's names in there, what I call these tweeners, you know. They're not the modern like Mike Trout, and they're certainly not vintage, but Nolan Ryan, Wade Boggs, Roberto Alomar, Steve Carlton, Gary Carter. There's some Hall of Famers uh, in there, and he's got some really good – Items on them. Tom Glavin, same thing. Ricky Henderson, Tony Gwynn. Very good. It's and a it's a real we'll good how- it's a really good mix a mishmash, if you will, of items. And what is the website address again? We talked to Scott Russell, thecollectorconnection.com. All right, so listen, check before it out. we end, I want to talk about one other friend of ours, Lee Barons and Sterling Sports Auctions. We talk about we talk a lot about auction houses that are affordable from for the budget-minded collector. Sterling Sports Auction, owned by Lee Barons, is a small business that makes collecting very fun and very affordable. The current auction is online right now, ends on February 10th, so get your bids in. From pre-war, mid to high grade cards to graded and ungraded cards from the 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, there is something for everyone. Lovely. Lee is very, very similar to Scott. Same size operation. Uh, The key here is that you can build your own personal collection without breaking the bank. Low grade, mid grade, and high grade cards, Lee has them all to go to. So go to sterlingsportsauctions.com to either register or get your bid in. That's Sterling, uh, Sterling Sports Auctions. He's got 1927 Babe Ruth exhibits, 1940 Playball Joe Jacksons. Uh, he's got a 1954 Johnson Cookies Henry Aaron rookie, PSA 8. 1955 Tops Sandy Koufax, PSA 6, and much, much, much more. Remember, Sterling Sports Auction, the small auction site with big results. Well, we got through that. Sorry about the uh, uh, technical. Uh, <laughs> we'll try to, we'll try to get uh, Scott on again sometime. Yeah, we'll with get a him on. You know something? Yeah. It's, it's uh, Davis. He's, he's a whiz. He's a whiz. I <laughs> with that being said, JM. Like uh, cheese whiz or, or what? Exactly. Uh, it is Friday. Uh, I'm in Florida. You're in uh, Massachusetts. The show airs Wednesday. So in advance, I'm telling you, I hope the snor- the storm four days ago wasn't too big. We will have cleaned out by the time we're doing this show. We're, we're hardy up here. You know, we're not like those guys that go down to Florida for three months. And we hang in up here. We hang tough up here. Ellen and I are off to Orlando right now, right after the show. <laughs> I'm going to go With home. Said, I'm going to go home, drink beer, and listen to Tony Orlando. So, <laughs> with that being said, we love you guys. Thanks for all your support, and remember, happy collecting.
The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21, Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.